Robots Radio. Games. Lore. Stories. Community. Just press play. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Travel through mana being sort of their, um, their essence of magic, their renewable resource that, um, that, is, um, that is used for everything in Magic the Gathering. So the ley lines of each world... They overlaid with opposing elements of mana rather than with their match. So as opposed to kind of like going negative to positive, positive and positive went together. And uh, that resulted in a uniquely twisted uh, uh, magic on this plane, which is why we have like different schools of magic Mm -hmm. as opposed to like, you know, what we're used to. Um, So they have five elder dragons. Uh, They were born... And millennia later, they founded Strixhaven. So you'll find that um, the book talks about these dragons a whole lot. And they actually, they're they're NPCs that you can actually play uh, with or against, depending on how you want to take the the adventure. Because the adventure ends at level 10. And then at that point, you, you know, you can end it right then and there. Or you can, you know go on and do some homebrew stuff, or I'm sure that they will have some official uh, adventures, you know, you know, level 11 and beyond. So I just want to point out some things. We're talking Magic the Gathering, and I don't know how familiar you are with Magic the Gathering, Sergio. You tell me. <laughs> um, I have a passing familiarity. Get out. <laughs> no, uh, Magic the Gathering is one of those things where you either love it or you hate it. There's no in between. You know, it's it's what I found. Oh well, then I love it. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, you love it. So one of the interesting things with Magic I, the Gathering, uh, uh, I was gonna say, like, I have a passing familiarity with that. Like, you know, when I have played mm-hmm. it, I, I I really love playing it to the point where uh, my the, my friends who got me into it, yeah, like they would see me playing. And they'd be like, oh, he's on that cardboard crack. That cardboard crack got him. (laughs) (laughs) But the thing that I love about Magic the Gathering, uh, and I especially feel like it's brought to light in this book, is the exploration of magic in Magic the Gathering. You know, it's in the name of the game for crying out loud, Magic the Gathering. I really feel like this book hit it home when we're talking magic and i really feel like it brought a whole new appreciation to our magic users in D. yep 
So for sure. All that being said, what do we have next on our roster to talk about tonight? Well, um, so the the book acts as an introduction to the Strixhaven School of Magic, uh, as and like you said, it it is also an adventure, a uh, level like one beginner entry level mm-hmm. adventure, all the way through level ten. Chapters three through six are devoted to that adventure, and you can pretty much, you know, um, much like Wild Beyond the Witchlight, just follow that adventure from the book and get your characters, get your party from, you know you know, barely starting off to halfway through level, you know, to level 20. Mm-hmm. And so beyond that, it, it, like I said, introduces you to the school of magic. Uh, think of it sort of like, you know, Harry Potter and Hogwarts. Um, in fact, like, you know, the uh, wizards, is not really uh, shying away from those comparisons? Mm-hmm. Um, like I saw an advertisement, you know, the, the big thing in, in Harry Potter is the train platform that they get on to take the Hogwarts Express to Hogwarts is nine and three quarters. It's like this uh, secret magical uh, train uh, like landing uh, between nine and ten. They got to run through a, of a wall or something, uh, but it's nine and three quarters. And uh, I saw an adver- uh, an advertisement for Strixhaven. That say like you know why like something like why bother with nine and three quarters when you can have a perfect ten Strixhaven <laughs> so they're definitely not you know <laughs> they're, yeah, they're not shying not, away at all yeah they're definitely um uh you know sort of cater not not catering but they're hoping to get some of that that Harry Potter uh, fan base interested in mm-hmm. this well um, I will say from what I've covered out of this or what I've gone over. It seems very much if you like Harry Potter and you've been looking for that Harry Potter role playing game right now, this is one of the closest things you can get to. I yeah. Mean, and I mean, uh, and yeah, there's a lot of um, sort of like parallels. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of stuff that um, you could sort of like see the inspiration like oh like oh that's sort of like you know Voldemort or like mm-hmm. oh that's um because you know the there are different school like different colleges rather yep um much like in Harry Potter you know there are different there's there's Ravenclaw and and Hufflepuff and of course Gryffindor and Slytherin yeah um and there are different colleges in at Strixhaven as well so like I said it it's um it's very much in that same mold it's it's very familiar it's going to be very familiar to someone who is uh, uh, who is rec- a fan of Harry Potter but doesn't know too much about D and D, it's a like you said, it's an easy way for them to uh, to like you know play, start playing the game, learn the game, and hopefully become a fan of it. Mm-hmm. Well, I think we've discussed what you can expect out of this. Should we start discussing some of those colleges? Sure. <laughs> so, so uh, do you want to start us off? Yeah. So, okay. So there are uh, four different or five different colleges. Mm-hmm. The first of which is Lorehold. Yep. So Lorehold College, it's the College of Archaeomancy, a term that describes the exploration of ancient things through magic. Its mages explore the past by pouring over archaeological sites 
calling forth magical energy from old tomes and summoning the spirits of long-dead historical figures. Lorehold mages travel far and wide across the world, gathering relics of bygone ages and learning dead languages to unpack the secret history. So, you know, that's kind of like the, those are like the bookworms, you know, those are kind of like Mm -hmm. the ones that are interested in the past, interested in history. Uh, Just, you know, based on the description, any, anyone who has DM'd uh, in any, you know, even, even one D and D campaign can see, read that description and, and can go one of either ways, sort of like a, like an Indiana Jones sort of do-gooder yep. or, or somebody who was corrupted by like an ancient evil that they found. And yeah. so like, I remember like I was reading, reading this over and I was like, Ooh, the, the possibilities are intriguing. <laughs> so I really like this one because as we go further in depth in that chapter, they start talking about how, you know, the faculty, and I'm not going to spoil anything, but I will say it's one of the, one of my personal favorites. The lore no. scholars are. No, yeah, they have like faculty sort of um, like I said, there's there are so many parallels to Harry Potter, much mm-hmm. like, um, you know, you had. Um, uh, I can't. So, so there's this like Harry Potter, um, like parody thing that I'm in, obsessed with. <laughs> And because of that, I can't, uh, I can only remember their fake names. I can't remember, uh, their, their, the characters, actual names, but, uh, is it McGarnagle? I don't know though. The one that, uh, that Maggie Smith played, like, you know, she's yeah, McGonagall, like, Professor McGonagall. Like, like the fa- the faculty are actually, um, they'll teach all the students, but they are sort of, um, uh, they sort of belong to the certain house, like Snape. He's a, he's a, he's a mm-hmm. professor from Slytherin. Yep. So, um, and so it's kind of like that you have faculty for each, uh, you know, for each school, for each college. And, but yeah, there's like, there's little backstories to all of them. They all have their own like little history. Yeah. So the next one we got on the list is Prismari College. Now the Prismari, Prismari College is a college of element, tongue tied tonight <laughs> is a college of elemental arts. It is devoted to study of practice of art intertwined with magic. The mage students of the Prismari wield magic and spectacles of creativity, masterpieces of showy over-the-top magics. They use elemental magic to express who they are and how they see the world, often combining different types of energy, fire, water, air, earth, lightning, heat, cold, in powerful expressions of conflict and harmony. So to me, this sounds like very much your showy battle mages. No, or yeah, or you're not even like battle mages. Or you maybe like your like your David Copperfields and your your David Blaines and Harry mm. Dean. You know, like yeah, the um, the showy offy guys, those sort of like performers. <laughs> that, uh, no, yeah, like they definitely show offs, but uh, like definitely don't want to like sort of like get their hands dirty and mm-hmm. with you know actually like, using their magic to to defend themselves or protect anyone else. They you know want to use it to to possibly make a make a make an easy buck. Yeah, the thing that's really cool about this one, um, this was a close second for me. The thing that I like about this one is that they're combining different elements of magic. You know, we've, you know, it's talked about how they're, 
you know, you think about it, you're spiraling water and fire together to create this structure, you know, uh, or, you know, cold and water to create ice, you know, and having that heat bellow up through the middle of this pillar. I mean, they're creating basically beautiful works of art in destructive forms of magic. It's and it's truly impressive to think about. No, yeah, I, I, I think it's like the ideas behind that is really cool. Um, mm-hmm. uh, one of my favorite things from this one was uh, the the dean, the her name uh, Uvilda Miss Collier, dean of perfection. Uh, it's a, a good genasi. It's the current dean of perfection, a master of artistic technique. Uvilda trains with a range of elements whenever she isn't focused on her teaching. She is known for giving her students profoundly insightful feedback, which she tailors by each individual. And it says uh, later on, uh, the good art, she believes that good art comes from the head. To her, carefully measured strokes and a deliberate object placement makes the difference between fully realized art and a total mess. I like that because, you know, a lot of people say that, like, you know, like, oh, good art comes from your heart, but she, but she argues that. No, actually, you have to think about what you're doing mm-hmm. and how to do it. And that's where good art comes from. So I could see it's sort of like maybe that um, that sort of uh, dynamic between the head and the heart. Yeah. You know, uh, it within within the college itself. Oh, yeah. So the next one we have is the Quandrix College. Uh, the Quandrix- this was my favorite. Oh, do you want to cover it? <laughs> I do. I do. Go I'm for say, it. This Go is my favorite. Uh, numeromancy, a term that encompasses the study of patterns, fractals, and symmetries to wield power over the fundamental mathematics of nature. Uh, I just the idea that, that like you said, um, sort of like with um, with um, Lorehold, or rather with, um, not Lorehold, with uh, Prismari, like sort of like using different elements mm-hmm. from from each. And we see that that's a, that's a common theme with each of these colleges, it's sort of like hearkening back to the um, like the birth of the plane itself, where these two different types of magic like laid on top of each other in in weird and unique ways. Um, but they're using like sort of like math and nature to to wield their magic. Uh, Quandrix mages can summon creatures made of fractals or turn abstract theories into towering spiraling patterns. They love to expand and multiply. They can increase their knowledge or size by bending numbers. They dwell in the overlap between the theoretical and the natural from the fabric of their robes to the nature of their spells. They make use of repeated elements, clever symmetries and surprising geometry to express the complex truths they study. Uh, I don't even like, I can, I don't even know where to start with explaining that. Because I I can I mean I, all those words I know all those words but sometimes like but it hardly makes any sense and they're basically using like, science for magic and mathematics and yeah, science when, for magic <laughs> and whenever I like whenever I read something in D and D that like I just don't immediately like okay like I get it like cool like I know what that we're talking about whenever I there's something that I don't react like that to I mean I'm I'm drawn towards because. <laughs> I'm like, oh, that sounds really cool. Like, I've never thought of it like that. And so, which is strange because like one of my favorite quotes, I think it's by Kurt Vonnegut. He said that science is just magic that works. And so, uh, (laughs) but yeah, like, you know, like, so this, that's, I think that's why this really appealed to me, this idea of using 
uh, science and, and numbers and, mm-hmm. and, and math to create magic. Envy says in chat, it's like Full Metal Alchemist. And I, honestly, yeah. that's the vibe I get from it, too. Like, it's very yeah. Full Metal Alchemist, you know, very much, you know, equivalency of exchange. Like, it's it's very mathematical and sciencey. The first person that popped in my head when I read about this one, Nikola Tesla. Straight yeah. up. <laughs> yep, I can see that. <laughs> I'm like, was Nikola Tesla one of these guys? I mean, <laughs> did we... Did something happen? <laughs> was was he a Quandrix explorer? Oh my god. Is he a- so the next one we got on our list <clears throat> is the Silver Quill College. Uh, the Silver Quill College is the College of Eloquence. We knew there was going to be one of them. <laughs> yep. It's And its mages, stylish, intimidating, and driven, are masters of the magic of words. They create spells from spoken word, battle, poetry or magical manifestations of the written word scribing patterns of runic ink in the air these mages make the natural leaders fiercely competitive with a piercing wit and never second place attitude i kind of feel like if we're going to choose a house to appoint these guys to i almost feel like it's a cross between uh, i don't know gryffindor or slytherin like these guys I don't know. I got like heavy like Ravenclaw vibes too. Yeah, I mean, the Ravenclaw for like the spoken word and things like that. But the drive is what got me. Like for that, sure, for that sure. hit it home for me. Like they can't, they never give up. They never like they are very much quick witted. They're on it. You know, it, I feel like what they did with this when they created these, and it, obviously these things have been around for a long time. But I feel like they kind of mixed and mingled like the Harry Potter, you know, houses vibes. Like, no, yeah, for, for, for all sure. of like, these, like there, you know, like I, I mentioned, like there's like, there's some definite like overlap. Um, like there's some familiarity. There's some, some things in general that are similar. Like, mm-hmm. you know, there are, there's this a school of magic oh, and yeah. there are, diff- there are different colleges slash houses within that school. Um, but right, the but there is kind of like where the where the the very stark and obvious similarities end. Mm-hmm. You know, unlike you know at Hogwarts there are four houses here at Strixhaven's we have five different colleges, and then even then, like you said, there there's it's not a perfect you know analogous like oh well these are obviously the Gryffindors and and Prismari they're obviously the the Slytherins. It's you know it's it's more nuanced than that, which you know I um. I appreciate because, you know, while, you know, I enjoy sort of like that Harry Potter vibe, if they had just made a Harry Potter knockoff, I would have been like, what? Dang, just make a freaking Harry Potter game, you know, like, like yeah, uh, but I, I appreciate the effort that they went through to make it similar, but different enough to be interesting. Mm-hmm. And what I'll say is this, is that Strixhaven has been around for a while. It's not like it's, it's always been a universe in magic, the gathering it's, it's more so that I feel like now that they have written down a, you know, full in-depth explanation storyline that they did get some influence from Harry Potter, because I kind of feel, I kind of go by the theory of if it works, why change it? 
You know, they knew Harry Potter was this huge fan craze and still is. Why do we have to go around and try to, you know, perfect the wheel? It's already there. Let's just add to it, change it up a bit, make it our own. You know, that's- no, yeah, for sure. Absolutely. I mean, like you said, it's um, it's something that uh, that has been around, uh, you know, Strixhaven, uh, you know, uh, is it hasn't been around for years. Uh, Strixhaven debuted on Magic the Gathering uh, earlier this year. But, you know, like you said, like there wasn't, you know, uh, it was based in a card game. And, mm-hmm. you know, while there's there, you can obviously have a lore within the card game. You know, they definitely chose to bring it into the D&D multiverse and expand it. And but yeah, like you said, like, you know, there, they, there's a formula. There's a there's a template rather mm-hmm. that uh, is familiar and is successful. So they sort of like, you know, painted with, you know, broad strokes on the stuff that, you know, could get the general fan, the general audience interested. And then that's when they got to work with the stuff, the the little tweaks that, you know, make it uniquely magic, the gathering and also dungeons and dragons. Exactly. So I guess we have one more school to cover. Are you ready for this? Always. So it is Witherbloom college. So Witherbloom College of Essence Studies, sorry, Witherbloom, the College of Essence Studies, mages draw their power from the opposing forces of life and death. Again, there's that, yeah, well, there's that, (laughs) there's that dichotomy again, that's sort of like taking from opposite or uh, seemingly incongruous uh, facets of magic, but using them together. Yeah, life and death. These mages brew their spells from natural components and the essence of living creatures, using that power to heal or harm the living or to raise or entreat the dead. They can cause entire forests to blossom out of nowhere or call down old curses that scourge flesh from bone. Some Witherbloom mages defend ecosystems from pollution, while others reveal in the power, sorry, revel in the power of corruption. They're at home riding zombie crocodiles down a zombie crocodiles. <laughs> yeah. Those are dead mm. zombies mm. or dead uh, dead crocodiles yeah. that are brought back to life. Were reanimated, Boom. really brought back to life. Boom. And then are ridden. Yeah, they're called zombie crocodiles. Uh, yeah, riding zombie crocodiles down a languid river, picking herbs from a, for a potion to treat a disease, brooding over the chorus of swamp frogs, or summoning fearsome avatars of nature. These are d- combined. Definitely. I feel like they combine very much druid and necromancer, yeah. and I'm loving it. Yeah, like I was gonna say, like there's you, there's no like anal like uh, analogous sort of comparison to any uh, Hogwarts school, but these are definitely the weirdos of Strixhaven. <laughs> these are definitely the, the, the kids that smell funny, the kids that you don't really hang out with. Uh, but no, yeah, I think you're right. It's like, it's like a, it's, I feel like, I feel like very heavy Druid and Necromancer vibes. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, I am absolutely here for it. Um, this yeah. was my second favorite, like an easy, like second favorite. Um, but yeah, Winterbloom is fun. Winterbloom can, I can already see like, it's going to be a lot of fun. 
I'm I'm honestly cooking up in my head another character for it. <clears throat> but anyway. <laughs> so we've covered our, our schools uh, and our colleges. Um, I really wanted to cover those for the mere fact that I wanted to hit home how if you've got a friend or a family member who's been looking at D&D, but they're like, eh, I don't know. But they're a huge Harry Potter fan. I wanted to hit home that this will be familiar. I don't know how many times yep. we can say it. This will be very familiar for them. And I I feel like this is a good starting dive for them. So if you got that one friend or family member who wanting, like looking at it going, eh, maybe I'll try D&D. But you know they love Harry Potter. Give this a go. I think this is your intro campaign, intro, you know, integration to the D&D world. But all that being said, I want to talk about my favorite part of these books, the new races. We got we got one new race mm-hmm. uh, and uh, it's it's another flyer. So for all of you DMs out there who hate having to deal with aerial combat, Wizards is basically giving you two middle fingers in the face and telling you too bad. So sad. Uh, we've got a an owl like race known as the Owlin, and it's uh, it's basically like like an owl person, you know. Yeah. Like, you know, you we've got like lizard people, which like what you know, what what are they like lizard? Oh, folk. It's, like, it's like a lizard, like a lizard. Yeah, like a, a lizard was a person. Like yeah, uh, <laughs> we've got uh, and now we've got like uh, an owl, an owl person, an owling, uh, distant kin of giant owls from the Feywild. From uh, wizards be- or witches beyond the uh, wild beyond the witch light. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Uh, Owlin come in many shapes and sizes, from petite and fluffy to wide winged and majestic. Now, if you are playing an Owlin character, you you can actually decide when you create them if you want to be small or medium sized. Owlin have arms and legs like other humanoids, as well as wings that extend from their back and shoulders. Like owls, owlin are graced with feathers that make no sound when they move or fly, making it easy for them to sneak up on you in the library. Your owlin character might be nocturnal, or perhaps your character is simply prone to rise later, embodying the common nickname of a night owl. So, like uh, it said in the description, you are a humanoid. And like I mentioned before, you can either be small or medium, depending on your own preference. Uh, you have a walking speed of 30, as well as a flying speed of 30. Uh, however, you have to be wearing light armor when you're flying. You are unable to fly wearing medium or heavy armor, which is pretty par for the course. Um, because of those aforementioned, you know, uh, silent feathers, you are actually, uh, you have proficiency in the stealth skill. You also have dark vision. You can see in dim light within 120 feet of yourself as if it were bright light. And then in total darkness, uh, you can see as if it were uh, dim light. You can discern um, in gray. Uh, you can discern colors in the darkness only as shades of gray, though. Uh, so, yeah, it's uh, another flying character. Another, you know, there's not too much um, uh, like a meat there as far as uh, like unique racial traits. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we've got something uh, something new something uh that would appeal to a new player like oh crap i can fly cool i i'll i I like i like to do that again 
all you DMs that hate aerial combat, hate having to manage that. Sorry, don't know what to tell you. Um, but I mean, it's cool. But again, like I said, there's not a whole lot there to it. So, um, you know, it's fun, but I can't give it like two thumbs, two thumbs way up. Um, because on, on top of that, you know, there's not really uh, a whole lot of lore behind it either. Just, you know, the, the deepest we get into is that they're distant kin of the giant owls from the Feywild. Um, and, you know, part of the reason why I love this game is the lore behind it. Like, well, like you know, how did they get to um, Arcavius? How do they get to this plane? How do they get to Stray, uh, Strixhaven? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, what makes them... You know, how, you know, how do they become, uh, how do they, how, how, how did they descend for the giant owls? Damn it. We need and more. So, <laughs> yeah. And so, like I said, like, I, it's like, uh, also, it's like one, I mean, Texans like started, one thumb up. Hey, I mean, Texans started to bring up a good point too. Like we need more information on, are they immune to neck snaps or not? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, very true. Yeah. I, I have to agree with you on this one. I feel like. This is a very, I don't want to say rushed, but I want to say this is one of the lesser thought out ones, I feel, for a race edition. Like, I get it. It's owls, but, you know, a little bit of backstory, a little bit of history to them. Something. Give me a little bit more. You know, I I feel like we could have gotten more. So we're just even like, you know, um, like you, like you said, like just it's not really. It doesn't seem like a whole lot of effort was put into it. No. I mean, everything about the character seems pretty basic. You know, um, you know, yeah, sure they fly, but their flight uh, is the same as their walking speed, which mm-hmm. is basic. Plus, you know, they can only fly in light armor or no armor again, which is like you know pretty you know basic rule of thumb. Uh, and there, there really are no like unique racial traits. There's like, there's nothing um, that makes me want to play this over any other flying character aside from the aesthetic of of being an owl. I feel like it's a reskin of an Arakaka. Yeah, I mean, it, it could be a, res- a reskin of several flying creatures. Mm-hmm. Uh, we could go on all night about how we're disappointed in it. I'm I'm glad it's here. I really appreciate a new race. But like I said, I feel like you could have put a little bit more effort in, a little bit of backstory, you know? I mean, the uh, giant owls from the Feywild, I mean, you had it right there. You could have simply put, while crossing across the border and all of this magic being within the universe and untapped and untamed, it twisted and turned some of the owl into you know, these creatures, you know, and they became more sentient and you, know, you could have gone off. It, no. Yeah, exactly. It could have been a whole thing, but anyway, let's talk about some things they did do right in this book. The backgrounds. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, each college has its own background, which is a lot of fun. And like, so each of them has a, um, uh, a feat, like if you choose this background, it has each has a feat that gives you access to certain spells, and then also uh, different personality traits and different trinkets. So you know you have your lore hold, you have your prismari, you have 
your Quandrix, your Silver Quill, and of course your Winter Bloom. Uh, and so, like I said, uh, each one of those backgrounds, like I said, gives you uh, access to you know that background's feet, which then gives you access to certain spells. Uh, like for lore hold, you can choose, and they're not like you know, they're not like crazy spells. Like the whole background thing isn't has never been to um, to really um, min max your character. Yeah. It's really to provide some flavor to uh, to your background to your role playing. So like these um, these spells that you have access to, I mean they're simple cantrips and first level spells. Like you know for lore hold, uh, you can choose. Uh, uh, two of either uh, light, sacred flame, or thaumaturgy, and then you can either uh, you can pick one first level cleric or wizard spell. Uh, for silver quill, uh, flame, thaumaturgy, uh, or uh, and vicious mockery, you can pick two of those, uh, and then again a first level spell, but uh, from the bard or cleric list. And so, like I said, the the backgrounds, you know, to me the back, even though like they. Uh, you know, like I said, it's not going to make you a world beater. It's not going to, you know, put you in front of a dragon and make you like destroy them. Uh, I I think it. There's more here. I I appreciate this more than I do the the owl and race because at least <laughs> there's there's some like I said it adds, it adds some flavor to to the characters. You say like, okay, well, I want to be uh, a winter bloom student, and I'm going to go ahead and take the winter bloom background, and so. Like my skill proficiencies are in nature and survival. I have a tool proficiency in, in the herbalism kit. Uh, I get to pick a language of my choice. And, you know, my feature is, uh, you know, I get that feat. So I get the, um, the winter bloom spells plus the, the cantrips, the first level. Um, but yeah, it, and it says here that druids and warlocks make up most of winter bloom's student body. And so like those backgrounds uh, can really inform what kind of character you want to build and really sort of like help. And even if, if you don't know what you, uh, what you want to do, you're like, you're not sure what you want to do. You can read through the grounds and see kind of like, you know, um, like if you're not interested in playing a good or a warlock, be like, okay, well maybe what was that for me? And then you start reading about um, like silver quill and you say, all right, well, a silver quill student, uh, you know, as a bard, you're like, okay, well, I like, you know, being able to like sort of be the center of attention and be able to uh, maybe be like the, the spokesperson for the group. You know, that's, that's, that'd be more along my path uh, or my speed. And mm-hmm. so, you know, that'll help you decide kind of what you want to do, especially if you're that person who's never played D D and has a friend like me or you saying like, Hey, you like Harry Potter, right? Let's play D and D. Let's play this new D and D campaign. And so for me, like I, I, I really like the backgrounds even more so than the new race, because like I said, it, it's for me, it's all about creating a immersive um, environment. And this is exactly mm-hmm. uh, something that's going to help do that. For me, as I look at the book as a whole, I and we'll get in more to this at the end of the show. But as I look in the book of the whole, I see that they focused more on our spellcaster friends this time than adding new whip stitches and races to the, you know, canon yep. lineup. Yep. 
And I'm okay with this because it's been a long time coming. And like I said, we'll get into that whole rant at the end. But I digress. In addition to new backgrounds, we got some pretty, I'd say pretty cool spells. (laughs) We do have some cool spells, but before we get into that, let's go to the middle of the show. No. (laughs) All right, let's go to the middle of the show. Even with my protest, we're at the middle of the show. I really wanted to talk more Strixhaven. We will. We will. (laughs) I guess we could take a moment to thank our patrons because they're wonderful people. (laughs) Absolutely. They are wonderful people. Uh, Like Remington Cloutier or Chris Mitchell or Jonathan Sutter or Wolf the Sheepdog or Daniel Palaleo or our newest patron, Sergeant Reaper. And of course, our deity patron, Lupus Malum. And I want to give a special shout out to our good friend, Maverick. Uh, he's not a patron anymore, but that's because he's focusing on... He's got a, he, he, he needs to focus uh, more of his time, more of his resources towards his own podcast, The Fallout Roundtable, which will debut soon, which we're very excited about. Um, but yeah, I wanted to give a special shout out for him because he's been supporting the show for a very long time. And, you know, we're not, you know, like I say, if you can support us through Patreon, thank you very much. If you, if you can't, if all you can do is listen and, and recommend our show to friends, family, loved ones, enemies, random people, uh, on the street, then by all means, then like, I'll, I'll take that. I'll take what I can get. I'll I'll take it. I'll take it all. I'll take, I'll take it all. Like I said, and the, the, all the, the funds from the Patreon go toward uh, getting, the, getting you guys cool swag, t-shirts, stickers, uh, going towards giveaways. Mm-hmm. Like we gave away um, a, a hardcover edition of the Haunt Trilogy from PB Publishing yep. uh, around Halloween time. And we want to do, do more of that. We want to do charity giveaways. We want to do like uh, possibly auctions or raffles. Again, we haven't figured out what we, how we want to raise money for, uh, for charity, but we definitely want to do that. Um, so like, don't think, you know, you're, you're lining our pockets. Don't, you know, I'm, I'm definitely still working my nine to five, like a schlub. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but like I say, if you, if you can, if you can, uh, if you can't support the Patreon, please do so uh, as low as $5, you get, uh, early episodes, uh, ad-free episodes, bonus episodes. Uh, you can get up to uh, 25 bucks. We'll get you a t-shirt. We'll get you um, uh, opportunity to uh, be on the show once a month uh, at the end of the month for our Patreon chat. So yeah, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of cool stuff going on. I really want to hammer home at this point. Thank you to our patrons. Um, I'm not going to hammer it too much because Sergio does a wonderful job about thanking you, but I wanted, I've done so much (laughs) hammering. I just wanted to say again, thank you. Uh, it's incredible. You're awesome. And the people listening, you're just as incredible. You're just as awesome. You're wonderful. Um, you know, sharing it with your friends, leaving those ratings and reviews. Spotify has got a review counter. Now you can, you can five star all you want. Um, all that stuff really does help. It helps us, you know, expand our reaches. It helps us expand our community. 
and it gives us the opportunity to do more for the community that we have absolutely the utmost respect and admiration and love for. So again, thank you, everyone. With that being said, I've got no minis this week. I'm so disappointed in Wizards of the Coast not bringing me out any more minis. You always are. You you always get sad when there are no minis. <laughs> but I do want to take a minute to shout out a particular website that I personally use, um, HeroForge.com. Yeah, HeroForge is great. Oh my god, amazing, amazing. Um, you know, you can build your own custom miniature. Like that was when they first came out. I thought it was insane. I was like, okay, whatever. I got in there. They had a few options here and there. They have changed so much over the years. And now you can do full color spectrum minis. It's awesome. And mm, I love it. So there's my miniature corner for the week for you. Is go to heroforge.com. Just check it out. Um, no, we are not monetized by them. No, this is not a ploy to get you to go there. Um, <laughs> It is truly, if only, um, it is truly a fantastic website. Go check it out. I build a lot of my miniatures for our home games there. Um, yeah, go check it out. And in fact, send us what you create. I love seeing new hero forge creations on discord or, you know, sit dropped in our, you know, email, just, you know, send them to us. I love seeing them. They're awesome. That's my miniature corner for the week. Move it on to the DMs corner, DMs Guild corner of the week. Uh, we're going with Strixhaven. Uh, Mike Bernier of Arcane Eye has released the Strixhaven, a syllabus of sorcery, uh, addendum, uh, expansion, companion. Uh, it is uh, the book expands upon the content provided in Strixhaven, a curriculum of chaos, in order to provide DMs with more ways to customize their Strixhaven campaign. The information contained in this book is completely modularized and can be added wherever you see fit to enhance the game. It contains 144 class events. So make the classes as Strixhaven dynamic and interesting with four events for each class offered at Strixhaven. So this is for the, uh, the, for like the, camp, like for the campaign that you're running to make it that, that much more immersive. Uh, expanded class mechanics. Make the classes chosen by players provide meaningful mechanical value through an expanded class system. A group point system provide a reason for players to work together as a group, plus make successes and failures more meaningful throughout the adventures found in Strixhaven. A lot um, sort of like the, the point system in Harry Potter, you know, for 50 points for Gryffindor, uh, something like that. Uh, plus a rival system, create a rival party for your group that competes with them at every turn and encourages them to become exemplary students. So this really uh, uh, expands and also like creates a nuance within the the campaign within the adventure portion of this book. You know, it doesn't uh, not so much um, like it doesn't add different uh, like uh, classes for the the character Mm -hmm. classes. It doesn't add new spells or you know the the book itself. has enough, you know, spells and magic items and, and monsters uh, to definitely suit the uh, the initial offering. But you know what uh, what Mike has done is really 
sort of enhanced the adventure portion of the book. Uh, and you can get all this for a dollar ninety nine. It's two bucks. Stop! What? <laughs> two bucks? Yep. I will. Uh, oh my I'll, I'll add a link to it. I'll add a link to it in the uh, the Twitch chat. Plus, that will have if you're listening to the audio version of this, there'll be a link to it in the show notes. That's insane. It's. I cannot stress this enough. Hmm. Hammering home the Harry Potter feel to this with that homebrew content. Mm. Mm -mm -mm. <laughs> you, uh, I love how you dig up all these wonderful, 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 you know, DM DMs guild content. It's fantastic. I mean, it's what I do anyway. It's like, is I just like, you know, see like, oh, that looks cool. I wonder what that's all about. Oh, I should buy that. I wonder if that's cool. Like, oh, that looks amazing. That's what I've been. That's <laughs> what I have been doing. And so, when we thought of like, you know, new um, segments for the show, I was like, well, like I'm always on DMs Guild. Like I'm always like seeing like what's new and what's what's on and popping there. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, why don't I just uh, swing tell on you all what I find? <laughs> yeah, why not? Right. Well, that's it for the middle of the show. Let's dive in to our end. Thanks for listening to the. <laughs> That's the wrong one. <laughs> you did the wrong one. I don't know. I can't hear it. <laughs> I pulled a Tom and clicked the wrong one. <laughs> All right. So you we're at the would. end of the show with the right sound effect this time. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so what do we got for new spells, Sergio? <laughs> well, we got a handful of new spells. Um, nothing, uh, nothing completely, uh, crazy. They're all first or second level. Uh, we've got borrowed knowledge, which is a, um, a divination spell, second level divination spell. You draw on knowledge from spirits of the past, choose one skill in which you lack proficiency for the spell's duration. You have proficiency in the, ch in that chosen skill. So again, uh, much like the um like the the feats and the 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 spells that you get from your backgrounds you know none, none of these are going to be world beaters mm -hmm. but they definitely add uh, a little bit of flavor uh kinetic jaunt which is my favorite actually of all the spells uh you magically empower your movement with dance like steps giving yourself the following benefits for the duration your walking speed increases by 10 feet you don't provoke opportunity attacks, which is for me is crucial because I love getting in there, hitting something and then running away as fast as I can. Boom, boom, um, boom. <laughs> you can move through the space of another creature and it doesn't count as difficult terrain. If you end your turn in another creature's space, you are shunted to the last unoccupied space you occupied and you take 1d8 force damage. Uh, this is a uh, transmutation spell. Uh, like I said, it's, it's, for me, it's my favorite because it it definitely adds. Uh, like if you're a rogue or uh, even like a bard, not a bard, uh, a monk, you know, something like kinetic jaunt will really can really help uh, you in combat for mm -hmm. sure. Especially that that uh, not being able, not allowing your enemies to uh, to get their those attack of opportunities. Oh yeah. You've got Silvery Barbs, which is an uh, enchantment spell. 
Uh, it's actually, it's a, it's a reaction, which is cool because, you know, a lot of these uh, are either take one action, but you know, this you can do as a result of somebody, of somebody else doing something. Uh, you magically distract the triggering creature and turn its momentary uncertainty into encouragement for another creature. The triggering creature must re-roll the d20 and use the lower roll. So you as a reaction, you are essentially forcing an enemy to uh, into a dis uh, to a roll a disadvantage roll. You can then choose a different creature. You can see within range. You can choose yourself. Uh, the creature, the chosen creature, has advantage on the next attack roll on the next attack roll ability check or saving throw it makes within one minute so you're taking you're not it's almost like you're um not even like because you don't know exactly how that how that triggered creature is going to roll you just know that they're swinging their sword at you or they're casting a spell at you Mm -hmm. and you cast silvery barbs and all of a sudden they're rolling at disadvantage and I guess like whatever mojo they lost, you gain because it, it you know within a minute, within ten rounds of action, whatever you want, whatever you do next, you can roll at advantage, which is a lot of fun. I so many so many possibilities with this one spell. <laughs> no, yeah, I mean like uh, that one. That one's a lot of fun too. That one, mm-hmm. I like that one. Uh, Vortex warp. Go ahead. I was going to say, with the spells we're talking about so far, I get, if you've played Magic the Gathering, you're going to know where I'm coming from. I get a very Magic the Gathering one-up you spell kind of feel from some of these so far. Like, yeah, uh, it's very much, you know, controlling and manipulating the battlefield. And I'm loving, I'm loving that we're getting that feel from these spells. No, yeah. If if you if you played uh, Magic the Gathering, you know the the feeling either being uh, like doing it yourself or being on the on the business end of it, like you know putting a card down, be like, boom, gotcha. I was like, oh, do you? Then you put that <laughs> other card down and either you know, deflect whatever happened or reverse it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a great feeling when you do it. It's terrible when it's done to you all the time. <laughs> uh, Vortex Warp which is a second level conjuration spell. You magically twist space around another creature. You can see within range. Uh, the range is 90 feet. The target must succeed on a constitution saving throw. Uh, and in fact, it says a target can choose to fail. Uh, uh, or the target is teleported to an unoccupied space of your choice. You can see within the range again, 90 feet. Uh, the chosen space must be on a surface or in a, or in a liquid that can support the target within uh, without the target having to squeeze. Um, so you're essentially teleporting uh, a creature, uh, you know, nine up to 90 feet. And it says the creature can choose to fail. This doesn't say anything that it has to be an enemy. You can vortex warp a party member somewhere. Mm, or, yeah. you know... <laughs> Either like toward something or away from something. Uh huh. I again, I'm getting that very Magic the Gathering command the field kind of spell feel from these. <laughs> and it's great. And in fact, you can actually cast a spell uh, at a higher spell slot, and the range increases by 30 feet for each spell slot level above second. So you know, a hundred or fifth fifth level, you're doing it at 
like what 210 feet something like that mm-hmm. i mean i'm gonna figure out what the maximum you can do here is let's see it said 30 feet times uh let's see here so the maximum you can do if you cast this at ninth level is 360 feet i love it i like that that is insane and, and so that's like, only and if you cast it once. What if you double cast it? What if you cast it and then the next person in line casts it? There you go. Exactly. <laughs> well, you're right. You're right. Uh, the last spell that uh, was introduced in Strixhaven uh, Curriculum of Chaos is Wither and Bloom. That is a second level necromancy spell. It uh, You invoke, and much like the, the Winter Bloom College, it says you invoke both life and death Upon a 10-foot radius sphere centered on a point within range, the range being 60 feet, each creature of your choice in that area, which makes that crucial, each creature of your choice. So you can definitely, like, there's a lot of, like, area spells that that don't get cast because, like, oh, freaking uh, Jimmy really rads in the way. We don't want to, I don't want to hurt him. Jimmy really Uh, rad. I'll, I'll cast something else. Uh, this is this is and you this is unique in that you don't nec- you can go ahead and not you know you can pick and choose. Or just you can cast it uh, in a in a huge in a circle with a either uh, with friendlies and with enemies, and only pick the enemies. Uh, so each creature of your choice in that area must make a Constitution saving throw, taking two d six necrotic damage on a failed save. Or half as much on a on a success. Non-magical vegetation in that area withers. In addition, one creature of your choice in that area can spend uh, can spend and roll one of its unspent hit dice and regain a number of hit points equal to the roll plus your spellcasting ability modifier. So, let's say you've got uh, you've got one of your party members. You know, surrounded by three orcs uh, or three groffs, you can cast Wither and Bloom, and you know potentially do necrotic damage to those groffs while also giving some hit points healing to your to your party member. I love this spell, and it's another spell that when you use at higher levels, it does better things. <laughs> yep, yeah, it's one of those that. Um, the damage increases, uh, you know, by one d six for each spell slot for each uh, level above two. Uh, for each spell slot that you use above two, and also the um, the number of hit dice that can be spent and added to the healing roll increases by one for each uh, slot used above second. So we've talked a lot. This, this book is a massive info dump for our magic users. If you haven't gathered it yet, this book is focusing on our magic casters. But I think it's time to drop some magical items we got from this. I'm pretty excited about this. We're we're almost we're <laughs> running towards we're bumping up at the end of the show. We are. We are. So I'm just going to cover a couple. I'm not going to go over all of them. A couple of them that stood out to me just from the titles alone. So we have here the bottle of boundless coffee. That's something I wish was an actual thing. Like, if there's yes. any time I wished magic was real, it was when I read the description for this <laughs> for this wondrous item. So, this wondrous item is common. 
and it is a metal bottle carries delicious warm coffee. The bottle comes with a stopper, which is attached to the bottle by a little chain. Even when open, the bottle won't accept any liquid other than the coffee it produces. The coffee inside is always comfortably warm, and none of the heat can be felt through the bottle. Each time you drink the coffee, roll a d20. On a one, the bottle refuses to dispense coffee for the next hour. If you pour coffee from the bottle rather than drinking it from it, the coffee vanishes the moment it leaves the bottle. So basically, as long as you don't roll one, you get infinite coffee. <laughs> yeah. And it's it, what's what I love about this item is that it um, unless you homebrew some sort of, uh, you know, meaning behind the coffee or like benefit of coffee. It's just one of those things that adds flavor to the universe, adds flavor to the to the campaign, adds flavor to your party. Uh, unlike the cuddly Strixhaven mascot, which actually, <laughs> when you when you first start reading it, you think like, okay, this is just sort of like a uh, inconsequential item, magic item, like the like the bottle of a uh, bottle of boundless coffee. It really doesn't. Uh, it's just for aesthetic purposes, right? <laughs> uh, touche, good sir. Touché. Uh, representing one of the mascots of Strixhaven, this soft, tiny magic toy is perfect for cuddling. If you press it to your arm, shoulder, or leg as an action, the toy stays attached there for one hour or until you use an action to remove it. Now, this is where it gets good. This toy can also be used to fight off fear. <laughs> yes. When you make a saving throw to avoid or end the frightened condition on yourself, you can give yourself advantage on the roll if the toy is on your person. You must decide to do so before rolling the d20, however. If the save succeeds, you can't use a toy in this way until you finish a long rest. So, I mean, just imagine like a giant hulking like half orc barbarian getting frightened you know um by whatever creature it's facing and it doesn't you know it doesn't you know everyone's like come on go go uh, grum grum core go grum core i like uh, it but he's like sort of quick quick you know quivering his boots and then he pulls out this like tiny like cuddly like stuffed plush strixhaven mascot toy and starts, you know, rubbing its rubbing its head, rubbing its forehead, and, and everyone's like, "What? What the hell is going on?" And then all of a sudden, ah, Grumcore will kill. It's the perfect flavor. Perfect flavor. Uh, item. I love it. Perfect flavor item. Right. So we're I running mean, out of time, and we need to talk about monsters. Not only, that, still. Not only perfect, not only perfect flavor. Not just perfect flavor. I mean, actually. Is a is beneficial to gameplay as well. Oh yeah, most definitely. So, uh, yeah, I think we should. Uh, we 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 could talk all day about these magical items. We really need to rush into these monsters though, because these monsters are incredible, and I think you've picked out a there, couple that are pretty sweet. Yeah, there's there, like I said, this the the. Um, the bestiary in Strixhaven is definitely where it shines, where, where the book shines. Um, there were a handful that really stood out to me. The, the Demogoth, for sure. Now, the Demogoth, 
slipping through the darkest corners of the world, demigods are powerful fiendish creatures that feed on misery and other negative emotions. Some sages refer to demigods as tear lickers, owing to the fiend's tendency to lurk near battlefields and other sites of great tragedy to consume the anguish saturating the area. Demigods are creatures of forbidden knowledge and magic, all fueled by their consumption of anguish. They trade magical influence over the lives and minds of others to ambitious mortals in exchange for the mortal's agony. They're alien-looking in the extreme. Their eyes are insectile or smooth and bulbous like gleaming jewels, and they have five arms. They typically wear long robes which drape, with, which drape low over their forms, with, and they sport a halo of horns, antlers, or floating stones or crystals. And there's also a Titan version of this, which... Um, these demigoth titans are towering monsters that blight the land around them. A demigoth grows in power over the course of decades spent feeding on sorrow and draining life from nature. Eventually, that growth turns the demigoth into a titan. The titans maintain their lesser cousin's ability to trade magical power for a mortal's pain, but they tend to demand more punishing suffering in exchange for their packs or knowledge. So all that sounds super metal to me and i'm here for it uh yeah i brought a uh demigod up on the screen this is a titan um to show people these things are huge intimidating terrifying things <laughs> i mean you get the multiple yeah, red eyes you get the horns all the multiple arms like i am <laughs> no yeah it's it's uh it's it's terrifying to look at. Mm-hmm. So what do we got next? The uh, next thing that we got a couple here. Um, so there are what's known as the Auric. Now the Auric is a secret society of mages on Arcavios, which is the the plane, the uh, the plane, the material plane, or the, the the plane of existence that Strixhaven is on. So. The secret society known as the Auric, they use magic that is forbidden by the colleges of Strixhaven. They're obsessed with power at any cost. So they're mostly mages who either couldn't get into Strixhaven or uh, got in but couldn't, you know, but failed and and dropped out or or failed and got kicked out. Uh, And because of that, they argue that Strixhaven is controlling access to magic on Arcavios and that the world would be better off without it. So they are enemies of the university um, because in their minds, if the university is destroyed, then anyone in the world could practice magic. Uh, They're usually dressed in dark clothes with metal masks hovering where their faces should be. So in straight in the book itself, you've got both the blood mage and the recruiter. Now the recruiter it's uh, they're subtle mages who infiltrate Strixhaven in service to their order. They are adept at blending in, watching for powerful but underperforming mages and students who have fallen through the cracks of the institution. So these are sort of these are these are the folks that 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 reel you in, that reel the 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 kids or the the folks that aren't doing well in, in their classes or aren't fitting in at Strixhaven. Mm-hmm. They're the ones that, that get you in. They're the they're the charmers. They're the the charismatic ones. The blood mages 
they're the ones that create deadly weapons formed of their own blood. They can also sense the life energy within nearby creatures, making the blood mages almost impossible to ambush. And one thing, and so this is all leading to what I think is the absolute banger uh, creature that they introduce in Strixhaven. The Auric use what's no, one of their most powerful tools. It's this vile monstrosity that they've created to seek out and destroy anyone using arcane magic. It's known as the Mage Hunter. And the Mage Hunter is a hideous spider-legged creature employed by the Uruk to pursue magic wielders. These creatures can naturally sense magic via the glowing purple spines on their backs. A Mage Hunter is usually in its sentry form a diamond-shaped drone with a heightened ability to sense and locate mages. Once it finds a quarry, the mage hunter takes on its arachnoid hunter form and pursues its targets with vicious skill. Uh, aside from looking like absolutely crazy, the mage hunter uh, is like it. It looks like the if uh, the the bugs from. Uh, Starship Troopers and the Xenomorphs from the Alien franchise had a yes, baby. Big time. It's absolutely terrifying. So uh, some of its uh, cool things that it has, it has the um, the Mage Tracker in, in its sentry form. Like it says, it has like a drone sort of uh, form that it uses to to sniff out made, uh, bar, uh, mage uh, magic wielders. Uh, the Mage Tracker um, action the hunter emits a pulse of energy that helps it better locate its magical quarry. Each creature within 120 feet of the hunter that has the ability to cast spells must succeed on a DC 14 wisdom saving throw or be mystically marked by the hunter for one hour. While marked, a creature can't become hidden from the hunter and gains no benefit from the invisible condition against the hunter. Additionally, while a marked creature is on the same plane of existence as the hunter, the hunter always knows the distance and direction to the creature. So this is any player, any character that can uh, that can cast a spell, which is just about every single character that you can think of. Mm-hmm. I mean, even uh, I mean, I'm trying to think like possibly like you know your barbarians you know would, some of them uh, can even technically cla- uh, cast spells because you have your um storm champions and you know your different tomes and technically oh, yeah, exactly. their magical abilities i mean i'm saying like yeah like it, it, you would be hard pressed to i mean it'd have to be something like low level because like you know at mm-hmm. what third level rangers get spells yeah. obviously all your spell casters off the rip you're 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 gone you know druids <laughs> clerics i mean it would have to be a pretty basic ass barbarian <laughs> but once you get <laughs> into higher levels uh you, like you said like those options are available to you and and all of a sudden you you become uh you become a you become a mark you become a something that the mage hunter could uh could potentially snip out and destroy oh yeah it truly is a terrifying beast when you look into it because of that fact. There's no one who is truly safe from it because everyone 
in some way or form now harnesses magic in some of the most simplest ways too. Yeah. And that's, um, and you know, that was something that some people really enjoyed about fifth edition and some people didn't is that magic is so prevalent in this edition. Uh, magic is something that, like I said, most characters can do to some extent and which makes this creature, this mage hunter all the more dangerous. Oh yeah. So do we have any other fantastical beasts that we need to discuss? You see what I did there? <laughs> I did. I did. I did see what you did there, and I liked it. I liked it. Um, I mean, there's. I mean, we could spend another hour oh. talking about the contents of this book easily. And in fact, um, I, I I've been wanting to do this uh, for a while. And I like the you know we had Wild Beyond the Witchlight, we had Fizzbin's mm-hmm. Treasury of Dragons, and now we have Strixhaven coming out over the past few months. I want to do a deep dive into each book and I'm, I think I'm going to post that as a bonus episode uh, for our patrons where really go into like, you know, the stuff that we couldn't cover mm-hmm. on the regular show and also give like insights into the adventures that um, for uh, Wild Beyond the Witchlight and for Strixhaven and just really, like I said, like a, just a, a deeper dive into all three of those books because I mean, like they're uh, like, you know, the Owlin character, you know, race, you know, wasn't that great, but overall I thought, you know, Strixhaven was a lot of fun and, you know, the, the campaign, you know, I, I just, another thing too, is I wish the campaign, and I can understand like why they, they started it. It's a, it's a first level, the 10th level campaign mm-hmm. or adventure. Yeah. Uh, and I know why they did it like that, because this is very much uh, geared toward, you know, that band who, uh, that like you know who likes Harry Potter but hasn't jumped into the D and D world. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would love to I would love to see one of these official books come with a adventure that starts us off at level ten or at level twelve, something higher. Um, because you know I don't I I can't just keep starting campaigns over and over and over. <laughs> I would like come I like on. to keep my campaigns going. Why not? <laughs> Right. Well, before we close out the show, there's a couple things we have left to do. Number one, we need to give our overall review of this new book. So, Sergio, so are we doing on a, on a scale of a ten? Are we doing in a? Let's do it a scale stars. to let's go. Let's go one to five stars. We'll do one, one to five, five stars. stars. Mm-hmm. I give it. I give the Strixhaven a curriculum of chaos. I give it four stars. Four stars. I think so. I think the the Owlin, the the really basic Owlin, uh, the new race, um, like didn't really put too much thought into mm-hmm. it. Um, I understand the uh, the thought process behind making the the adventure within the book from first to tenth level, but you know we just got one uh, in Wild Beyond the Witchlight a couple of months ago. We just got like, you know, a, a first level adventure mm-hmm. two, three months ago. Exactly. So, um, so for me personally, I, you know, that's, that's, you know, that's a knock against it. But beyond that, you know, the, the, the magical items, the, the backgrounds that they included for the school. Um, I mean, just the overall um, sort of presentation of how, you know, it was really sort of ingenious how they took 
like this sort of like template of Harry Potter and and used it, but then made it their own. So it could it would appeal to, you know, fans of that of that IP while also avoiding like, oh, it's just a ripoff. You know, you can definitely tell like the there's the inspiration behind it, mm-hmm. but it's it's they made it enough of their own that it doesn't just serve as a carbon carbon copy. Um, and then the monsters, the creatures, oh, yeah. uh, you know, the bestiary in it is a one. I think without the the strength of the bestiary, it might have it might even go down. It definitely goes down to three and a half stars, maybe even three. If it was just like an average bestiary, probably just three stars. But that bestiary is just ah, chef's chef's kiss. <laughs> I am gonna have to honestly i'm gonna have to give it a 4.5 out of five. Ooh, yeah and here here's my thing i'm not gonna punish it too much um for the the al, al you know the, i'm not gonna punish it too much for the new race um for the mere fact of we did just get a new race and with these flying you know bird style like creatures it is kind of hard me me homebrewing some of my own, it is hard to balance those. So sometimes it is just easier to simplify it and be done. Reskin one that works and be done. Um, but on the same note, I would have liked to have seen more from it, as we discussed earlier. Yep. Um, with everything else, uh, it doesn't really bother me, the, the 1 to 10 campaign, because that's typically what we get from it. However... If we're going to do this repeatedly and we're going to keep coming out with these campaign books, what I'd like to see moving forward from Wizards of the Coast is some expansion books like we like adventures, used to yeah. get. Yes. You know, we don't who says we have to only have the one adventure in Strixhaven and I get you can homebrew your own, but some people don't like homebrew. Some people just like running those games. So yeah, I, I mean, need some expansions. There's the, there. I mean, we discussed this in the homebrew episode a couple weeks back. There are pros and cons to, mm-hmm. to homebrew versus official content. Uh, you know, homebrew, the you know, con being that or the pros being like it's uniquely your own. You can do whatever you want. Oh, yeah. The con is that it takes it's that much more time consuming. Exactly. You know, uh, you know, if I'm running an official campaign or an official adventure, you know, I can just the prep work for me is reading, you know, a few reading a dozen pages or so and preparing the monsters and making sure. Like, you know, I'm ready for that session. You know, mm-hmm. I don't have to write out, you know, uh, pages and pages of lore of potential, uh, you know, uh, a potential uh, adventure hooks or potential encounters. Um, but yeah, like, I would love to see uh, like a Strixhaven adventure for oh, yeah. levels, you know, 10 through 15 or uh, uh, wild beyond the witch light adventure for levels, you know, 15 and up or epic levels for that matter. Oh yeah. So with all that being said, the other reason I'm giving it a 4.5 is because I enjoy that. We're finally focusing on our magic users, you know, too many times do in the past books that have been released. We kind of skimp over them. We go, here you go. Here's a little bit more. And then we leave them to dust and everybody else gets a little something more and a little something extra. And we focus on the monsters. We focus on the setting. We focus on the backgrounds. We focus on this specific, you know, style of play. Our magic casters have been left in the dust. And we even saw it in Tasha's Cauldron. You know, we did get some things, but 
it was mostly just new rules updates, you know, with this one, it was, Hey, we're going to pump a book out where we're just going to, we're talking to our magic casters here. And I love the fact yep. that we've incorporated a school. Many times it's been talked about in D and D, but never been set in stone. The rules of a school. And I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. So I, I, I think the, like I said, like they, they definitely, uh, it's definitely a, a, you know, stroke of genius to, to do something that is very similar to something that's already popular, but mm-hmm. also at the same time, uh, make it uniquely your own. Oh, like it yeah. doesn't, it doesn't feel like, Oh, well, this is just a lame Harry Potter, like knockoff. No, no. I would say overall, if you haven't got it for yourself, even if you're not into the Magic the Gathering universe, I would say pick this up for yourself. You're not doing yourself any favors for your spellcasters or yourself. If you yourself are the spellcaster, you're not doing yourself any favors by missing out on this book. You know, I personally have missed out on a few MTG books and I've gone back and got them. And I will say that I wish I would have just bought them from the get go. <laughs> no, I mean like, um, yeah. I mean, like I like I said, this is um, you can uh, pick up the this book for uh, either online for about thirty five forty bucks. Mm-hmm. You can pick it up uh, at a, a local gaming shop if they have it for um, I don't know either cover price which is about fifty. Um, but yeah, if it's if it's something that you think that your um, your plane party will enjoy or something that you think, uh, could possibly enjoy. Like, you know, you've got, uh, like, you know, I'm an old, I'm an old person. I got, I got kids that are grown that love Harry Potter. You know, maybe this will be what it takes to get them into D and D because they see me, you know, my, they see me playing on roll 20 and they see my dice mm-hmm. and they're like, Oh, that looks cool. And then like start talking to them about it. They're like, wow, you're a real big nerd. Never mind. That's, <laughs> And I'm like, you just don't understand, but you will, though, but you will. You will. Right. So all that being said, I have one more thing to do before we say our farewells and bid adieus. I owe you a magic item of the week. Let's hear it. Ah, all right. You ready for this? We're going to go super okay. simple with this one because this whole I'm not taking away from this book today. OK, I'm not taking away from this book today. So we're going to go with you've seen Harry Potter. Correct. I think so. I think so. Okay. So you remember Dumbledore had this this pool that you could drop memories into and you could look inside and you could see the memory. Right. And, yep. Okay. Well, I have one of those too. <laughs> but it works a little differently. Okay. Okay. Let's hear it. So this is a pedestal of memories. Okay. And the way it works is instead of taking memories and bottling up or anything like this, all you need is a drop of blood and normal water. The way it works is you'll place the water in the, shall we say, pool area of this monument, and then you'll take the drop of blood and you'll just place a drop of blood in this pool of water. You will completely immerse yourself in this water, which will send you to a realm of memories for this person. While there, you can observe 
all memories, but you cannot hear them. If you to if you begin to affect any memories, there is a one in 100 percentile chance that you will cause permanent memory loss for the individual. So you're not just wandering around. You can affect their memories. You can change their memories. However, by doing so, they may one they may 100 percent forget that memory. So that is our magic item of the week. It is pretty simple and self-explanatory. <laughs> It is very, very powerful, dangerous. very yeah, dangerous, <laughs> very dangerous. Uh, you do love your uh, your blood items. I do. <laughs> I think that's maybe what only the second one. <laughs> I'm pretty sure there's more than that. Uh, don't worry about it. <laughs> well, we'll be back next week uh, to discuss the second part of our becoming a deity special. Ooh, yes. We uh, last week we got into it. We discussed the uh, the hows and the whys. And so next week, we'll, now that we've gotten past that, next week, we'll discuss now that you are a god, what do you do? Ooh. <laughs> so that will be fun. All right, Sergio. Do you have anything you want to let the fine folks of the D&D Lurecast know about? Uh, well, I, uh, I am also co-host of another podcast called Fandom University. Uh, we're on a hiatus right now. Or till the end of the year, we will be coming out with a uh, right before the uh, new year. We will be coming out with a special uh, mini master episode where we will be discussing the Matrix, uh, the original, both the original trilogy plus the new movie, and then we'll be back in full force in January. Uh, our first arc will be on the Scream movies. We've got Scream Five coming out in January, so we'll be discussing uh, the original trilogy plus four and five. Uh, we've got a really cool um, guest lined up for an interview to discuss those movies. Um, but yeah, there it's a deep uh, the the podcast are uh, multi episode deep dives into different um, like different IPs. Like we've done Resident Evil, we've done Aliens, we've done The Eternals. Um, so yeah, it's a lot of fun, and it's a good show. You Thank need you. to listen. <laughs> right, I'm not going to go through the laundry list of the pods that I do. Um, they're all in the show notes, but one I do want us to take some special interest to talk about today um, is the Resident Evil lore cast. It is basically essentially the exact same thing you're getting here and the Dungeons Dragons lore cast, um, but for Resident Evil. <laughs> yeah. It's essentially yeah, it. Yeah, I love it. It's uh, And there's, I mean... Between all, I mean, this and this is just like official stuff, not even including mm-hmm. the, the movies, which aren't like part of the video game like canon. Yep. But just in the video game canon, you know, you think like, oh, there's like Resident Evil like eight just came out, right? So there's eight games. Oh, no. There oh, no, no, no. Any more games. I believe we're on 18 episodes and we just are now getting to a point where we may start talking about Resident Evil 4. Yep. Yeah, it's. It's insane. It's a lot of it's a lot of stuff to go over. Um, it's a lot of us catching up on. As of right now, it's a lot of us just explaining the the lore and the history and the connecting points of Resident Evil. Uh, but if you're interested in that, go check that out. That's the Resident Evil lore cast. Um, and the rest of my shows are down in the show notes. There's seven other ones to pick from. There's another D&D. You can check it. There's all kinds. You just go check them out. <laughs> go check them out. 
But that is all we have for the evening. So I want to thank everyone for joining us. Uh, thank you, Twitch, for joining us live. Thank you, everyone at home listening. And thanks again to our patrons. And until next time, we will see you later. See you later. Have fun. Thanks for listening to the Dungeons and Dragons Lorecast. If you've enjoyed the show, please consider sharing it with a friend, following us on Twitter at DNDLorecast, or jumping on the Robots Radio Discord to chat more with us about Dungeons and Dragons. We'll talk to you next time. You've been listening to a Robots Radio podcast. Smart shows for interesting people. Check out all the shows at robotsradio.net. What up to Night City? You're listening to N54 Radio. This is DJ Sparks bringing you a new hit show from Night City, Cyberpunk, a cyberpunk red live play podcast. Listen as a ragtag group slamming on the corpos. Survive the streets and try to keep from being flatlined. You can tune in on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, or wherever else you get your podcasts. DJ Sparks out! Long gone are the days where people sing about West Virginia as almost heaven. After nuclear war and disease, it's far from heaven now. Far From Heaven, a Fallout 76 story podcast, is a tale of survival, conflict and hope set in the Fallout 76 game world. Join our survivors on their journey to reach that almost heaven once more. Available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon and many other great podcasts and apps. Far From Heaven. Fallout 76 story, available now. Hi, I'm Fire Rider, and I'm the host of The Pixel People, a podcast dedicated to taking a close look at our favorite characters from our favorite video games. From major characters who define the course of a game's storyline, to smaller characters who you might have never noticed. Every week, we go beyond the quest line to examine a particular character's story arc and choices and discover the real-world parallels and life lessons hidden just below the surface. I hope you'll join us. You can find the Pixel People on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere else you listen to podcasts.